This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Praise God. Well, I'm on a series called Fight the Good Faith Fight. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm going to say this, that um, if you're a Christian for any amount of time, you're going to encounter some fights. You're going to encounter some difficulties. You're going to encounter some seemingly setbacks. And I'm talking to the right group today. Because if you're going to walk this Christian walk, I mean, before you got Christ in your life, you weren't even aware that there was a devil. You weren't even aware that there was darkness. And you were just unaware of it. But, and the devil really wasn't after you. But once you get God in your life, guess what happens? You become a target. Amen. You become a target from the enemy. The enemy is going to do everything he can to take faith out of each one of us. And so we got to look at your neighbor and say, learn to fight. You're going to have to learn to fight. Let's open uh, our Bibles to 1 Timothy 6.12. We should have it on the screens as well. Or your, or your uh, devices. And this is the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to say this. Paul was a fighter. He, I, I call him a faith fighter. And Paul had to fight through some things in his life because it wasn't always cookies and cream for Paul. Paul always dealt with circumstances and situations that would cause the average Christian to fall back. And so in 1 Timothy 6.12... Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Amen. And so, and so he's saying here, and we talked about it last week, that, that we have to lay hold of eternal life. What does that mean? That means that we got to hold on. Somebody say, hold on. Hold on. Amen. To the promises of God. Why? Why do we have to hold on to the promises? Because there's an adversary, there's an enemy that's going to try to pull the promises out from us. It's going to try to come against our faith. And so we have to lay hold of eternal life. And then, then we... We are also called to have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so we discovered last week some keys of, of, of fighting the good fight of faith is holding on and confessing a good confession. We, the, the rest of the verse says, I urge you, verse 13, in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ, Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. We discovered last week that Jesus is a faith fighter. We discovered that Jesus, in the face of crucifixion, in the face of death, he, he looked at it at, at even in the face of Pilate, and he did not flinch. He was not moved by the circumstances of what he was going to uh, go through, and he and he kept the course of his faith. Amen. Jesus, uh, Pilate said to Jesus, "I have the power 
to crucify you, and I have the power to set you free. And you know what Jesus said to Pilate? He says, you have no power over me. And I'm going to say this, that the devil has no power over you but what you give him. What we give the devil, uh, in other words, we don't want to give the devil anything in our lives. The Bible says that, that, that Jesus walked such a close walk with God that, 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 that there was nothing in him that the devil could find to accuse him of. Amen. And so, and so, so Jesus fought the good fight of faith by, by, by saying to Pilate, you have no power over me but what God gives you. And this is powerful if you think about it. There's nothing that's coming against you that God doesn't have the power to keep it from destroying your life. Somebody say grace. It, it's, it's called grace, amen? Remember, Paul was in, encountering some problems and he prayed three times for the enemy to leave him alone. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace can keep you up when everything is being thrown at you. My grace, God's power, His power to keep you up on the water when doubt is trying to cause you to sink. Can I get a witness in the house today? Jesus kept the confession of faith regardless of the circumstances. Amen? The Apostle Paul was another faith fighter. The Apostle Paul knew how to, how to fight the good fight of faith and, and keep the course. In 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 8, uh, this is at the end of Paul's life. And, you know, it's interesting, as I was thinking about this, there was a time in Paul where he said that I could go or I could stay. Does anybody remember that? And Paul said, I could go. But then he said, I decide to stay. He said, if I go, it's, it's better for me because heaven's much better than living here. But I'm going to stay for, for, for you. See, that tells me we have the power even over our own life how long we're going to live this life. I'm preaching today. We have the power. What? The Bible says with long life, God will satisfy us. And show us his salvation. So I believe we can live as long as we're satisfied in this earth. Amen. Now Paul was now at a place in his life where he knew that he kept the course. That, that he, he did what God called him to do. And he was ready. You know, Jesus even said it. He said, nobody takes my life. Amen. You know, nobody took Jesus' life. He laid it down willingly. And I'm going to say this, we need to do this every day. We need to be laying our, de- our lives down willingly. How many people are laying their lives down for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? How many people are, 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 are late? I, I had a, a ser- sermon one time. We need to be laid down, people. We need to lay down our lives for the kingdom of God. So in 2 Timothy uh, 4, 6 and 8, this is at the end of... The apostle's life, he ran his course, he, 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 he built churches, he, he wrote letters, and he encouraged the body of Christ, he, he did everything that God called him to do. And he says, for I 
am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. The time of his departure is at hand. You know, you know, in an airport, some of you flown before, you have a part, departures and arrivals. Isn't that right? And so we have people arriving on this planet. I did a little research, and I found out there's over 300,000 people coming in in this planet on a daily basis. And do you know how many people are dying on a daily basis? 150,000 people are dying in a, on a daily basis. It's like this. Every time you click your finger, it's somebody dying. And there's over 8 billion people on this planet. And the, and the last time I checked, there's only 2 billion Christians. We need to get busy. We need to get busy. We got some work to do. Jesus did say, narrow is the way that leads to life and very few find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction and many fall there into it. You need to be thanking God that you're saved. You need to be thanking God that he called you out of darkness and brought you into his Mars light. Because most people, Jesus said, will be lost. But we're not. Somebody say, I am chosen. God has chosen you. Amen. And, and most people plan their life. I'm going to say this. Most people plan their life around retirement. They, they, they spend all their years investing and saving and, and, you know, all their life for this much of their life that's going to be left at the end. But what we as believers should be doing, we should be preparing for that faithful day when Jesus calls us home. Amen. Paul was positive about death. And as, as Christians, we should never fear death. That's where all fear comes from, is the fear of death. And we should not fear death. Amen. Paul, the, I like what the Apostle Paul said, uh, because death is really a transition from mortality to immortality. And Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 53 through 55. For the, for the corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruptible and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Think about that. So death really is not the end. For the Christian, it's the beginning. Amen. And we need to get a revelation of that, that we're all moving towards our departure uh, day. Amen. If Jesus tarries. Now, I believe Jesus is coming back. And I believe he's coming back before the Antichrist gets here. And I believe he's going to pick us up, glory to God. And we're going to dine with him for seven years in heaven. While all hell's breaking loose down here. And then Jesus and us, we're going to come back and we're going to take the earth over. Amen. Can I get a witness in the house today? Amen. Amen. And Jesus is coming back. But if he tarries, 
We need to be ready. Look at your neighbor and say, be ready. ready. Amen. And and Paul confessed this this faith confession. And you're going to have to learn, if you're going to walk this victorious Christian life, you're going to have to learn to speak some things out of your mouths. Amen. And, and Paul said this at the end of his life when he was w- willing to let go of his life. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, see look, look, we're all are in a race. God has called each one of us to do something in the kingdom of God. The reason why we have church is because the race is not solo. We run this race with each other. Amen. Amen. We need each other in the race to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to to allow our gifts to build the body of Christ up. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in a race. Amen. You are in a race. You have a calling on your life. And God's grace uh, for our lives is accessed through faith. The race that we run is accessed by the faith in God. Amen? Now say this out loud. I fought. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Amen? So you're going to have to learn to start saying this. And I'm telling you, at the end of your life, you're going to be so on fire for God, you're going to be ready To go home, glory to God. And then what is the reward of serving the Lord? Well, he says, finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to those who has loved his appearing. Think about this. How many people love Jesus And how many people are ready to see his appearing? You know, the Bible says there's going to be two types of people when Jesus comes back. There's going to be one person that's going to say, praise God, Jesus, I'm coming. And then there's going to be another person that's going to shrink back at the coming of Jesus. Oh, think about that. There are going to be some people that are going to shrink back in shame. Why? Because they're not walking the walk that they need to be walking. They're not running their race for Christ. They're living their lives for themselves. They're living their lives to just to satisfy their selves. And, and a life like that is a life not worth living. And I don't want to be those that shrink back when Jesus comes. I don't want to be doing things wrong. I don't want to be living in the dark. No, I want to be living in the light of God's word, doing everything that God's calling us to. If you knew Jesus was coming back tonight, would you live your life a little differently? Some of us are living our lives the way we need to be living. Some of us need to straighten up and fly right. Am I talking to anybody today? The Bible says the word of God needs to rebuke, correct, and exhort glory to God. Amen. In other words, it needs to jerk the slack out of us. Sometimes we need the slack jerked out of us. Sometimes we're just too laid back in our faith. Sometimes we're just cased around. No, you've got to stay fortified. How do you win this life? On your knees. In prayer. 
That's how you win in this life, glory to God. So, so we fight the good fight of faith, amen. Today I want to focus on the message on how not to lose in this good fight of faith. Jesus reiterated, uh, just as I reiterated last week, uh, we fight the good fight of faith by, by speaking faith-filled words. We discover that Jesus, in the book of Revelation, fights with his words. He doesn't fight with his fists. He doesn't fight with weapons. He fights with his word. And we found out in the book of Revelation that, that a two-edged sword comes out of Jesus' mouth. Did we find that out last week? And your words are your weapons against the enemy that comes against you, against the circumstances in life. We're going to win if we fight the same way that Jesus fights. Amen? Now, now our words are powerful. And we've got to get a revelation how powerful our words are. In Hebrews 3.1, it says here, uh, the, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, uh, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Jesus is sitting in heaven and every word is being weighed in the balance. And Jesus receives our faith-filled words. When you get saved, like I talked about last week, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. And when you made that confession of faith, Jesus makes it good in heaven. Jesus works with our confession of faith and believe in him and we get born again. Jesus is the high priest. He's the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Now, if we're confessing something opposite of the word, if we're confessing losing circumstances, if we're confessing that we're not going to make it, if we're confessing things like that, then who becomes the high priest and the apostle of that confession? Satan. The devil can take your words. The devil becomes a high priest and a high confession of your negative confession. The words that we speak that are negative, the devil can work in that arena and he can cause things to happen to cause us to go down. Your words are powerful. Amen. Look at your name and say, your words are powerful. And so, and so we see this and Jesus works with our confession. In Hebrews 3, 6, it says, But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confession, confidence and the rejoicing of our hope firm to the end. So, so, so this the Hebrews is like a, a, a faith book, glory to God. And here he's saying here that Christ is the son of his house and we are also sons and, and we are sons if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of our hope. Notice this, firm to the end. So what, what is he saying? He's saying that if we're going to partake of the heavenly blessings of God, we have to learn to hold fast and not let go. We hold fast. We have confidence in God's ability to, to watch over the things that we do in him and to cause those things to come to pass in our lives. We win this faith fight when we hold fast to the end. I'm going to say this, it's great to start off good, but it's not too great to end bad. Amen. And some of us, it's good, it's okay to start off bad, 
but you better end good. Amen. If I'm preaching to anybody today, we can start off a little shaky in our faith, but hopefully the longer we are, the stronger we get. Not the weaker we get. The longer we're in this word, the longer we're walking with God. And I'm going to say this, the greater responsibility you will be held accountable to. Because the longer you're in this word, the more understanding you have, uh, the, the more responsible you are. Oh, I'm, I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm preaching today. In other words, you can't get away with what you used to get away with. Am I preaching to anybody today? You, once you have the truth, you're going to have to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. Amen? Glory to God. Amen. Hebrews 4.14. Well, let's look at Hebrews 3.14. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Notice it says confidence. We got to have confidence in God. We don't want to, the devil is trying to come against our confidence in the word of God. That the word of God is true and the word of God works. So he says here that if we hold, again, hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. It sounds like he's talking about faithfulness. It sounds like he's talking about that we need to stay faithful regardless of what it looks like. See, I don't go by what it looks like in the natural See, I, if I look, went by what it looked like in the natural, I could be very depressed. But I go what it looks like in, in the spirit realm. Amen? And I, and I just don't see a few. I see thousands out here. And you have to, you have to see it in the, in the spirit before you will see it in the natural. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Glory to God. And faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence, notice this, of things not seen. Right? So you don't see it yet, but your faith brings it in to realization, glory to God. Brings it in to manifestation, glory to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Say, somebody say, my faith is working. Amen. Your faith is working. Your kids are coming back to God. Glory to God. Your faith is working. Hallelujah. Finances are coming into your bank accounts. Glory to God. Your faith is working. Hallelujah. Somebody say, my faith is working. And in Hebrews 4.14, it says, Seeing this, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hallelujah. So we need to hold fast to, to what we believe that Jesus is doing in our lives. In Hebrews 10, 22 and 23, it says, Let us draw near with a true and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. This is powerful because we gotta get a we gotta get sin consciousness out of us. And get righteousness consciousness into us. Can I say it again? We need to get sin consciousness out of us. And righteousness consciousness in us. In other words, there is therefore now no condemnation. For those that are in Christ Jesus. I remember I missed it. I missed it one time. I sinned and 
I was really hurt and broken over my sin many years ago. And I was crying out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I really missed it. I really messed up. And, uh, and the Lord gave me Romans 8 to, to, to read. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He gave me that, and I just started reading it. He wanted me to meditate on it, and, and I meditate on it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And what the law could not do through, through the flesh, God did, sending his son in a likeness of sinful flesh as an offering. He condemned sin in the flesh. Glory to God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, see, listen, we're not out of Christ Jesus. We're in Christ Jesus. Can I get a witness in the house today? We're in Christ. If the head is righteous, the body's righteous. Oh, I'm preaching today. If, if we're the body of Christ, then the body can't be unrighteous. The head's righteous and the body's righteous. We're blood-bought. We're, we're, let us draw near with a true heart, a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an e evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he promised is faithful. Uh, this is so important. Not only are we supposed to hold on to the promises of God. Not only are we supposed to believe that God did wash all our sins away, and He has, glory to God. He has nailed our sins on the cross, and He has, glory to God, so that we have the right standing with God. But listen, let's not waver. He says, let's not waver at the promises of God. Let's not waver at God's faithfulness to us. See, when we waver in our faith, we'll lose this faith fight. I, th I think about some faith giants in the Old Testament. And I think about two faith giants that made it into their promised land. And I think about these two faith giants, Joshua and Caleb. And think about this, that it was, it was 12 spies that was sent out to spy out the land. God wanted them into the promised land that year that they were in the wilderness. See, God wants you in your promised land sooner than you. Sometimes we get there. Why? Because sometimes some of us are in character development. In other words, the gift can take you someplace, but, but the character will keep you there. Am I preaching to anybody today? And so, and so God is in the process of getting some of us into our promised land. And we know that Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two spies that believed God. They believed that they could, they could take the, the land. They believed that the people were bred for them. They, they believed that they could overcome a God. But the ten spies believed that they could not overcome. They had no faith in God's ability, which I don't understand, because God got them out of Egypt with the ten miracles, parted the Red Sea, took, brought water out of the rock, fed them, at, uh, fed them with manna every day, ha had a cloud during the day to to keep shade on them and, and a fire by night. How could they not believe? How could they not believe? Because it takes relationship to believe and not just miracles. You've got to have a relationship with God.
You gotta develop your relationship. You gotta you know whom you serve. Not just who you serve, but in whom you serve. Can I get a witness now today? And so Caleb, you know, and Joshua, how were they able? Because God pronounced judgment for 40 years in the wilderness. And Joshua and Caleb, they kept their faith for 40 years. And then they entered in to their promised land. Well, how did they keep their faith? They did not waver. They did not vacillate. Waver means to vacillate. It was uh, between choices to fluctuate an opinion in allegiance or direction. They did not va- vacillate at all. It, matter of fact, uh, if you're going to believe God, you've got to get a vision of what God wants for you in this life. And I know that, that Caleb, when he went into the promised land, he asked Joshua for the house on top of the mountain. And he thought about that house for 40 years. He had a vision of living on the house on top of the mountain. He probably painted a picture of it. He looked at it every day. He kept his faith intact. And finally, that, that day came where he was in the best place of the promised land. Faith will always bring you on top of the mountain, no matter what circumstances say to you. It doesn't matter. Listen, if you're willing to wait forever you won't wait very long see most of us aren't willing to wait that long where we give up at the slightest bit of adversity at the slightest uh, hint of, of, of something coming against us we just let go no no don't let go let god see in other words we can't be wishy and washy in our faith we have to make a firm decision And when we make a firm decision, no turning back, we will not be swayed to back off the things of God. Can I get a witness? You know, when, when I, 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 I served, I've served God for many years. And I remember when I first got saved, I, I backslid and I fell out of church. And I was out of church for a few years. And my whole life went down and I lost everything. And finally, I came back to church talked to the pastor and I asked the, the assistant pastor, how do you hear from God? Because I messed my life up. And then I made a decision that when I came back to church, I would never miss church again. I would not just skip church. I would not just not be out of church. I made a quality decision. I'm coming to church every Sunday, no matter what. And I just, and I just showed up and I started showing up at church and showing up at church, and showing up at church, and the pastor finally said, hey, uh, you, you show up so much, why don't you become an usher? And I said, I said, I'll thank, praise God, I'll be an, you want me to be one of your mighty men? Sure, I'll be an usher, glory to God. And so I became an usher in the church, and I kept showing up, because now once you're an usher, you're, you're obligated, right? So I kept showing up. And kept showing up. And finally the pastor said, won't you just take the church over? I'm retiring. <laughs> Why? Because I wouldn't stop showing up. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Over the years, yes, I went to Bible school. And then God called me back here. And then I ended up working with the youth ministry and doing a lot of different things. But because I just didn't quit, I just kept showing up. If you just show up, you beat 90% of the people. <laughs> if you just show up. The problem is, most, some of us aren't showing up like we need to be. Amen? 
And so we need to get out of this wishy-washy faith, glory to God. We need to show up and show out for the kingdom of God. And the enemy uses all types of tactics. He uses all types to get us off our game to get the word of God out of us. We know he uses offense as one of the biggest reasons why the devil can pull the word out of us. Offense. Being offended. Being offended with people. Being offended with the pastor. Being offended with the church. Being offended with God. The enemy's trying to do everything he can to bring offense into our lives. And when he does that, it takes the word of God. It takes the faith out of us. We also got to be very careful. We're not allowing love of other things to come in to steal the word of God from us. If we're allowing love of other things, then the love of the Father is not in us like it needs to be. The Bible says the lust of the eyes, the, the, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life is from the world. And the world is passing away. Amen. Amen. Don't get your eyes on the bling bling of life. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus here, he's, he's, he's uh, uh, James here is saying here, because another word for wavering is doubting. And, and, and James 1, 6 and 8, it says, but let, talking about prayer, talking about answer prayer, it said, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When you don't make a quality decision about the word of God, about your faith, the enemy will try to put pressure on you to cause you to waver in your walk in Christ. Am I getting, am I, am I preaching to anybody today? So the whole devil's tactic is to try to get our faith inactive by, by, by us not mixing faith with the word of God. That was the problem with the Israelites in the book of Hebrews. It said they could not enter into the rest of God because they did not mix faith with God's word. And I'm telling you, when you start mixing faith with God's word, you're going to walk in the peace of God. You're going to walk in the rest of God. You're not going to be agitated or irritated. You're not going to be uh, impatient, glory to God. Because faith is working to undergird your faith, glory to God. Amen. So we got to get a revelation of that. In, in 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says this way. Now, thanks be to God. Because sometimes we, we, we hear sayings like, sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. Have you ever heard that saying before? Sometimes you win, some, sometimes you win, and sometimes you lose. You win a few, you lose a few. Have you ever heard that before? But in Christ, you always win. Second Corinthians says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. He makes manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. We always win in Christ. We don't, don't lose. I always say this. We learn. You don't lose when you go through something. You learn. Now let's look at an account here quickly uh, about Jesus and Peter. And this is, this is some pitfalls of our faith. This is where I really want to focus on this morning. And this is where Jesus is at the end of his uh, ministry. He's about ready to go to the cross. He, he's, he's telling his disciples he's going to the cross. They weren't hearing what he was saying. And, uh, and Peter, uh, he, he, he speaks to Peter. And Peter, you know, he had an issue. And 
one of Peter's issues, he, he, was, he was a bold preacher, but he also walked in a little bit of pride. Can I, can I get a witness now today? And it's good to be bold, but be careful about pride. Pride, P-R-I-D-E. The middle uh, letter is I. Pride. Take P off of it, and it will take you for a ride. R-I-D-E, okay. Pride will take you for a ride, amen? And so in Luke, I got some amens here. And we, amen, Gloria, because it's not just about you. You know, Jesus said, I can do nothing without the Father. Jesus said, it's, I'm, it's impossible. Jesus said, I do nothing without God, the Father, doing it through me. Jesus, it was never about I, it was always about we. And I'm going to say this, if you're going to walk this Christian life, it better be more than just I, it's better be we. Me and the Holy Spirit, glory to God. We, glory to God. You are never alone with God. And so, and so, so Jesus is speaking to Peter. And do you remember Jesus uh, changed Peter's name? Uh, James, uh, Peter's name, he, he, his name's Simon. And he says, Simon Bojona, I call you Peter. Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So, so, so Jesus called him Peter. And he took on the name Peter. Petrus means little rock. But here, Jesus didn't call him Peter when he's uh, disciplining him. He says this here. And the Lord says to Simon, Simon, instead of saying to Peter. Simon actually means, his name means to, to vacillate, to go between, in other words, kind of wishy-washy. And so, so he said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I pray for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned, uh, when you have returned uh, uh, to me, strengthen your brethren. And but he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny three times that you know me. This is really powerful because this is a problem sometimes with our faith. We have too much self-confidence in ourselves. We have too much faith in our willpower. We have too much faith in what we can do. No, no, no. Peter thought, oh man, I'm bold. I can do some things. He had faith in his own ability instead of faith in God enabling him to get through any circumstance or situation. See, even, even uh, he said to Jesus, uh, I will not deny you. It doesn't matter if everybody else denies you, I will not deny And And Jesus already knew that the pressure would cause Peter to deny him. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? We must not put our confidence in our flesh. We have to put our confidence in God. In Philippians 3.3 it says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. You cannot put your confidence in your abilities. Amen. Put your confidence in God's ability to bring you through. The Apostle Paul was an educated man. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew some things, but he knew he could do nothing without God in his life. He could not sway people or bring people into the kingdom without the grace and anointing on his life. 
If we're going to fight this good fight of faith, we have to have confidence in God and not in our own strength. In Ephesians 6.10, uh, Paul is preaching and he's talking about being under attack when the enemy's coming against you. He says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He didn't say be strong in yourselves. He said, be strong in the Lord. He didn't say, be strong in yourselves. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. When David was coming against Goliath, and uh, Goliath was, you know, he was all boasting that he could take out anybody. He had armor. He had an armor bearer. Uh, Goliath was a, a warrior from his childhood. He looked like he was going to take David out. But see, David wasn't going on his own power. David wasn't going on how skilled he was as a slingshot person. He wasn't go. He said, my God will deliver you come against me. He said, my God will deliver you into my hands. See, he had faith and confidence in God, not his ability to take the giant out. And if you're going to take giants out in your life, you better put some faith and confidence in God and not yourself. Because have you ever tried to go on a diet or eat right and you failed that same day? I'm not going to eat past 8 o'clock. I'm not going to eat past 8 o'clock. And you're eating that bowl of cereal at, at 10.30 at night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because I love cereal at night. You know, bowl of cereal. Glory to God. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about myself. I'm not going to eat past 8. I'm not gonna eat. And then my daughter said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just getting a little bit of cereal. You know? <laughs> just one bowl. <laughs> Amen. And, and so, yeah, there's going to be areas where we're weak. But did I ask God to help me? No. No, I said, I'm not going to do it. I didn't ask God, God, please help me not to eat that bowl of cereal right before I go to bed. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I said, I'm not going to do it. And guess what? The devil tempts you. Why? Because it's pride that says, I'm not going to ever do that again. I won't do that again. Yeah, right. You better start getting on your knees and praying and asking God for his help. Glory to God. That's the only way we're going to win in this life is to get on our knees. So, so what, what's going to happen? The enemy is going to challenge us in our belief. And notice it says here that the devil wants to sift uh, uh, Peter like wheat. And, and when you think about sifting, you're removing, you know, when you're sifting something, you're, you're, you're separating, right? So what, what is the devil trying to do? Separate Peter's faith. Separate his faith from his God. Right? See, see, the devil never attacks you in your weakest place. He always attacks you in your strongest place. He always attacks you in your gifting. Why do I say that? Because Peter's gifting was, was to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. His gifting was his mouth. But notice he got shut down when the little girl said, Aren't you one of his disciples? And he, oh, no, no, I'm not. Wasn't his gift was to confess and to preach the kingdom of God? And the enemy was trying to shut him down in, in that garden, glory to God, in, in, the, in the Praetorium Guard. The, the enemy was trying to shut Peter down, trying to separate his faith. And that's what the devil's trying to do in our lives. He's trying to separate our faith from our God. And I'm going to say this, don't let anything... 
Don't let circumstances. Don't let symptoms. Don't even let the doctor's report get you off your game. Don't let your bank account and what it looks like keep you from believing that God wants you blessed. Don't let your bills tell you that you're a failure. The very thing that you're a failure at, you'll be a victor in it tomorrow. Or you hear one say, whatever the enemy is attacking you, whatever he's trying to tempt you in, he's trying to get you to throw your faith out. And I'm going to say this to you and decree to you that if you hold on to the promise of God, you keep a confession of faith, you don't get prideful, you stay humble. Because the only way we can win and the only way Jesus is, you know how Jesus won? How he went to the cross fearless without any uh, intimidation before Pilate. He won in the prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. He won when he bowed his knee and said, "Not God, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus could have called a legion of angels. He could have wiped out the whole Roman army. One angel could knock out 186,000 people. That's happened in the Old Testament. Jesus didn't need a legion. All he needed was one. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. Why? Because he loved us too much. When Jesus was on the cross, we were on his mind. And Jesus looked past the cross for the joy that was set before him because he knew that you'd be sitting here this morning. He knew that you would come into the kingdom. He knew that you would choose Jesus. He knew that you would be be at the banquet table very soon with him. And I'm telling you, if you take these... uh, points that I just ministered today, I believe you're going to be fighting a good faith fight. Did you receive it this morning? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you that you are raising up giants in Exceed Life Church. I thank you, Father God, that you are moving supernaturally, even though some of us might be dealing with issues and problems, your grace is sufficient. Perhaps you're here in the audience or watching online and It's time for you to bow your knee to Jesus. You've never made a confession of faith and received Jesus as your Lord. It's time to put Jesus on the throne of your heart. If you're ready to receive Jesus today, just pray this simple prayer with me and just say this out loud. Say, dear God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead. For my justification. Today I receive Jesus. As my Lord. And my Savior. Father thank you for saving me. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus name. Amen. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information visit us at ExceedLifeChurch.org 